Hello and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 31 through 36 of The Lost Hero. Oh man. A lot happens um, only in my two chapters, I yeah. have to say. My two Yeah, mine was really easy. And <laughs> the Piper chapter, real quick. Real quick little outline there. <laughs> Leo's wasn't too bad. Not a lot happened, but it's a lot of info dumping. Mm-hmm. Jason's is just chaotic as usual. They were like, yeah. it could only have action if Jason can pull his little sword out and do his little <laughs> dance. Pull out his little special little, what is it, a coin sword? Coin sword. That seems so, like, not convenient. I can totally imagine myself losing that coin so fast. We're like a minute in and we're just insulting Jason's sword. (laughs) (laughs) His stupid sword. It's a really good vibe. Obviously in great mental health spaces right now. We didn't just spend, like, ten minutes talking about how the world is ending before this. (laughs) (laughs) Positive vibes only. Yeah. 2022. Yeah, The Lost Hero. Woohoo! <laughs> Our favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I do have some hot takes on Jason in the, oh, these chapters, so I'm excited more, to get into it. More Jason hot takes. More Jason hot takes. I feel like I have no solid position on how I feel about him. It's very, Same. yeah, liquid. It just moves around. Yeah. So let's start. All right. So a summary of what we're going to talk about. We're going to meet a couple more key mythological characters. And to no one's surprise, they're always evil. Yay. <laughs> but our kiddos get out of these situations in very interesting ways. And we get a lot of information. So let's get into it. So Jason's chapters 31 and 32. So first chapter starts off, if you remember, we're about to enter the laser mansion house. <laughs> where I want to live. <laughs> Just completely overprotected with lasers on the lawn. Like, God forbid a bird lands on your lawn. <laughs> Immediately oh disintegrated. What about the no birds? No wildlife. <laughs> Fuck the birds. That's what, what this man the bees? Believes. Must have no good flowers. No pollination going on there. <laughs> we'll think about this man's garden later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll table that. <laughs> table that. Jason almost dies many times quite immediately into stepping into this mansion and is only saved because Leo deactivates every trap they fall into. Leo is in an awful mood. He's incredibly sad about Festus and feels that it was his incompetence that led to his dragon's destruction. Piper tries to tell Jason to give Leo some space, but Jason is taking it all a bit personally. He feels immense guilt for the absolutely shitty things he said about his friend while under Medea's spell, and he also sees how broken Piper is about her father being trapped and is feeling the fracturing of his team around him. This is where um, I started thinking about Jason's role again. I was like, this is the place where Jason and Percy are very similar. They both take on everyone else's feelings. But somehow Percy's a lot better at communicating and soothing people's fears while Jason is still grappling at his own missing memory. Um, But he wants to revert back to that role of being the leader, of being the one that's reliable. And so I was like, oh, I think it's a good conversation to have to talk about like loyalty versus responsibility. Ooh. So Percy is loyal. He's loyal yes. to the people that he loves, and he's loyal to anyone who might show a hint of goodness to them. 
Jason has responsibilities. He is responsible for the well-being of everyone around him. So there you get, I feel like, different leadership skills. And Jason is really lacking because he's responsible, but he doesn't have the tools to do anything about it. Whereas Percy never wanted the responsibility, but can't help but kind of meddling and talking about people's feelings. We see like no one confides in Jason. Yeah. And like Jason is very loyal to like Leo and Piper, but it's more so out of a like he feels responsible for them. It's not necessarily because they're his best friends because they're really not. No. <laughs> Just it's been three days. Like <laughs> Percy's very much like you showed me a hint of kindness. I will die for you. So yeah. that's why you get like him, even though he and Zoe in, in the Titan's curse never the curse of the Titan Titan's curse. Titan's Curse, yeah. Titans, we always yeah, it right. thought it should be Curse of the Titan because it sounds yeah, more fun. Sounds cooler, yeah. Um, they never got along. They were always at odds. But Zoe really confides in Percy when mm-hmm. Bianca dies. Mm-hmm. And like he is also the one who steps up to take on that role because he's like, well, Zoe is my teammate and I'm loyal to her. And, she's all- and he's also, I think, a lot more emotionally intelligent. But Jason is almost there. He could be. But he's like, I can solve this. Like kind of like a dad where he's like, I'm doing the roles and the responsibilities I should to keep my children fed and alive. What do you mean I have to talk about their mental health? So is Percy the mom and Jason's the dad? <laughs> there we go. Percy and Annabeth are not mom and dad. Dad, it's Percy and Jason. Except yeah. Percy's... <laughs> he's also so chaotic. <laughs> he's the unhinged mom. He's wine mom. <laughs> he's the wine mom. Jason's the stoic dad. Yeah, yeah. I love that for them. They're a cute couple. I, I'm, yeah. I'm into it. I mean, maybe it's because per- like Percy is just like much better about, you know, being loyal and... Nice, because he was raised by Sally Jackson and Jason was raised by a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. A lot of the emotional intelligence. We also actually see that later, too, with Leo. Leo mm-hmm. is a lot more, he, not about himself. He has no emotional intelligence about himself. He's just like, I suck. Like, that's all. <laughs> End of story. But he has, like, like, a lot more of a dimensional grasp on other people's feelings where he can look into Jason's eyes and be like, I can see and read your emotions and I'm going to try my best to help you, even though he personally believes that he's not emotionally competent. That's because women who are emotionally healthy raise emotionally healthy men. But apparently, like, men who aren't emotionally healthy doesn't make a difference. There's apparently no such Where thing. Where are there any emotionally healthy in men universe? in this universe? <laughs> there are actually none. There's actually no emotionally healthy women either. It's just happened to be Leo's mom and Sally Jackson. That's the end. Yeah. That's all there is. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though th- there's Paul. See, that you get there with oh, Paul, Paul too. Yeah, we Paul is Paul. emotionally healthy dad, stepdad, where mm-hmm. he is just he steps into that role. He immediately knows like that Percy's going through it, and is like, "Are you having girl trouble? Are you having problems at camp?" Like. We'll talk about it. I'll take you fishing. Like do do it in like a way that's the traditionally masculine, but we can bond. <laughs> they all just need nice parental figures. Yeah, not honestly, wolves. this these books would have been solved if everyone just went to therapy. And I feel I mean that's the case with all children's books, right? It's like yeah. we just all went to therapy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, as someone who doesn't go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> 
telling everyone else. I know. I, I mean, I'm not the problem. Everyone else is the problem. <laughs> Okay, anyway. (laughs) So they enter the dark mansion. It's huge and it's glorious, just like you would imagine a mansion that has lasers on its guard, that guards its lawn to have. They can't find the light switch, and for some reason, Leo's fire isn't working, and it's also impacting his really sour mood. Jason is stressed. His brain goes into tactical mode, and he's seeing all the ways that they could be attacked at this very moment. But they don't have a lot of options, so they bring in the cages with the Storm Spirits and Coach Hedge and decide to make camp inside the mansion, this like large room that they're in, eating cold rations since Leo isn't in the mood to make tacos. And like the other two are like, okay, we'll just starve then. (laughs) If mommy Leo isn't going to cook for us. But anyway, so they eat cold rations instead. Then again... When we were 15, I couldn't make food. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But at the same time, like, Leo's obviously, like, you be creative about it. But I think it's also the fact that Leo can't start a fire. So, like, what are, they have yeah. to eat it cold. There's no other, there's not, like, a convenient microwave next to them. Unfortunately. Piper dozes off and Jason goes over to talk to Leo, who's trying to find a way to open Coach's cage. He apologizes for the cool things he said to Leo and... In a way, they have a little bit of a heart-to-heart, but nothing can really help Leo feel less sad. It's like a, it's a lot of internal stuff that Leo needs to work on himself. He needs a a good makeover, like a, he's a good queer eye candidate, if you ask me. I think that the, the, the the squad could do a good job fixing him up, giving him some self-love. I think so. Yeah. That's a great idea. Bobby would fix up the bunker. Yeah. And. Give it a whole new look. They'd all take him out and start talking about, you know, like, do you really need a woman? Is it that, what, like, a girlfriend is going to solve all of your problems? No, it starts from then, Leo. But, you know, Rick doesn't believe that. He's like, girlfriend, girls fix men's problems. So. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Jason says that Leo did fix Festus, and for a short while he had given him a purpose and a life. Which helps Leo a little bit, but honestly, Jason doesn't know Leo that well and can't really read him. So Jason goes to sleep and Leo takes watch. These, like, chunk of chapters, they really try to build up the Leo-Jason friendship. And you can see it kind of happening, but since it has such a rocky start where it's, like, immediately fake friendship that's immediately soured by the fact that Jason and Leo are just, like, pitted against each other by an evil witch... And they're trying to recover from that. It's a little difficult. It's not as yeah. like heartfelt as I think they could have done. But yeah. Oh well. Jason wakes up to Coach awake and yelling, smashing his club against the sofa. <laughs> Coach is still uh, still low key. Thinks that they're being attacked on the Grand Canyon, and it takes a bit of calming down. I want you to know that I've been rewatching New Girl. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you're just imagine coach. coach. I just imagine coach, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I do that to like any coach. I realize even like went to a football game, and you know, like coach, like Pete Carroll is the coach of the Seahawks. I'm like, "How's coach doing? Like, what's the coach doing?" It's like immediately just coach. Like that, your job title is now your entire personality. And this is who you are. So, Coach Hedge will be called Coach. First name Coach, last name Hedge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Coach finds out that the quest wasn't actually to save him, but they just happened to run into him, which I was like, Percy would never leave Grover behind. But true. to be fair, Coach Hedge is kind of annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't have the same um, 
personal grab that Grover has on us. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Anyway, now that it's day, Jason starts to see that the mansion is decorated in pure gold. Even the curtains seem to be spun with gold. That's when an older, pudgy-looking man in a white bathrobe steps out with a toothbrush in his mouth, looking a bit like Scrooge with a silly little nightcap. He calls for his son, Lit, saying, <laughs> that's his name, Lit, saying that there's strange people in the throne room. And Coach responds by raising his club and yelling, die. And that's how the chapter ends. It was an interesting chapter, but we'll continue. Mm-hmm. Chapter 32. The three hold the old satyr back as Lit runs into the room. Jason notes that this man is covered in scars and is absolutely jacked. And he's like, pretty, he's, like he's pretty hot if you're like into that kind of stuff. I was like, Rick is back at it again with the homoerotic descriptions of other men. From so quote-unquote straight boys. Sure. sure. Sure, sure Jason. Sure, sure Percy. <laughs> they apologize to the homeowners for trespassing and calm coach down. The older man asks them to sit so they can talk, something that Lit feels is a bit scandalous. And that's when the man introduces himself as King Midas. Finding out that King Midas is now alive again is a shock for everyone, including Midas. <laughs> Midas doesn't remember dying, but essentially just like woke up and it's like, this is the new world. And they ended up in Omaha because they had heard there was an oracle there, which was clearly incorrect. Like, why would an oracle be in Omaha? I think there might be one in Trials of Apollo in Omaha. Really? I think, I know that they come back, like Lit and Midas, I think Midas come back into play. And so I bet there is one. He might have been planting that seed. There's like quite a few oracles I in Trials of Apollo. It's a thing. I genuinely do not believe Rick had any plan to make any other series. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, like he's I winging guess. it. I he's know. winging it. Midas explains that he makes gold and that Lit was a famous swordsman, once called the Reaper of Men back in the day. (laughs) So a lot of this chapter is slowly peppering in the backstory of Midas, so I thought I would just tell you it so that we can save some time. So Midas was a king in ancient Greece obsessed with money and gold. He asked Dionysus to give him the power to turn everything he touched into gold, which was granted. But then he couldn't eat anything, drink anything, or smell anything and he accidentally touched his daughter and turned her into gold. He begs Dionysus to remove his curse, who tells him that he can reverse the curse by dipping his objects into running water. He then swore off gold and material objects and started worshipping Pan. One day, while judging a musical contest, I was like, oh, it's like the American Idol? How did he get here? <laughs> while judging a musical contest between Apollo and Pan, he chose Pan, offending Apollo. Apollo then turned Midas's ears into donkey ears. Interesting. Yep, that's that story. So that's kind of peppered in. Midas now has the ability to turn things into gold, but he also has the ability to turn it back again because he just has running water. The mansion itself doesn't have any running water, so he doesn't lose any of his gold objects. But there's a river that apparently runs next to the house that they can just like go wash things, including Lit, who sometimes turns into gold if Midas accidentally touches him. (laughs) Damn it, not again. Not again. And that's how he makes his money for his fancy mansion and lasers. He takes Piper's backpack and turns it into gold. It is now magic and can hold the storm spirits safely in them, so they don't have to trudge around this huge cage anymore, which is convenient because Festus is gone. (laughs) Midas also reveals that he has turned his daughter back into gold because she was annoying. (laughs) He's like, I liked her. She talks less as a gold statue, so I've turned her back into gold. So I'm like, oh, so you've regressed. He was going towards the, like, non-materialistic, like, reaching nirvana, Buddha-esque vibe, and now he's regressed. Mm -hmm. 
He's decided to get worse. <laughs> yeah, now resolution. <laughs> 2022, I'll just become the worst version of myself. <laughs> he also now clearly has a hatred for the gods because one of them gave him fucking donkey ears. And Jason starts getting the feeling that this man may not actually be an old, harmless old man. Midas also casually mentions that he sells his gold objects to bankroll his patron. This is a key word in this entire series is patron. Yeah. As soon as they hear patron, like alarm bells go off in everyone's minds. Yeah. Obviously, the trio is not into this, and Midas explains that neither were his last visitors, the hunters who had come by a couple days ago. Jason is immediately thrilled. He is just a couple days away from his sister. Midas explains that even though the girls had been able to get away, the trio won't be able to. They either need to become gold or die. With that, he touches Piper and turns her into gold. Leo tries to summon fire, but apparently fire dampens gold and also Chowspeak. And he's turned into gold as well. Jason has to think fast. He chooses to fight Lit instead. He's like, you said die or turn into gold. I choose to fight Lit and like try to win. And Midas is just like, okay, well, I said you can die via Lit. You can't like win, <laughs> but okay, could try. Good luck, kid. Good luck. Lit is fast and brutal. Jason's mind immediately analyzes Lit's fighting style, which is all offense, no defense. Jason doesn't fight like a Greek. He even out loud says, I fight like this because um, it's legion training. It's Roman, but who knows? Who could he be? We don't know. <laughs> Jason sends Lit toppling over and Midas comes over to help him up, accidentally turning his son into gold. <laughs> now Jason faces Midas, who is fast and lethal as well. But Jason uses his powers, remembering that gold is a great conductor of electricity, and creates a storm inside the room. The rain changes his friends back into humans and causes Coach to come. So Coach, by the way, I forgot to mention, left the room because he was being just absolutely chaotic and unhinged. So they were like, we need to have a conversation with the homeowner. So why don't you go, you know, in the hallway and just stop bothering us? And he never comes back until, of course, everything has already been resolved. <laughs> Jason grabs them all as Midas's previous items start turning from gold back into their original forms and they run out of the mansion. Okay, so um, something that I thought was funny is like Jason's internal dialogue is uh, is pretty funny because he's, he's just like, you kind of see that like hint of having ADHD where he's like trying to focus on what's happening in front of him. But he's like, for example, Coach is like destroying everything with his club and he goes, Oh, you know, Coach Hedge is like really beefy looking. And he's like, can you call a goat beefy? Like, is that a slur? Anyway, Jason put the thought aside. And I was like, he's pretty funny, but he's just so dampened down. Mm -hmm. That is kind of like, eh. Yeah, and the third person instead of first person, like we got with Percy. Like, you don't really get to see like how witty all of them can be. Exactly. Know? It's just he tries to make them see even that's why when you read Percy as Percy in these books he's not as funny as he is in the original because it's again mm -hmm. third person it's not this like unhinged 13 year old <laughs> just like word vomiting at you and you're reading yeah you know I also think it's really funny that like these last couple chapters is everyone being shocked that dead characters of Greek mythology are alive again. It's like this, everything is always a bad time in this universe. Bad things are always happening. Weird things are always happening. Just like go with it. Like what's this another thing? Like, of course, it's not shocking. 
Of course they're alive. Whatever. Of course they're it's alive. Fine. <laughs> yeah. The gods are alive. He's like, oh. And then that's the whole thing, too. They're like, I can't believe, like, Midas is alive and Medea is back alive. I'm like, Medusa's alive. That was, like, the but first But she's a monster. monster. But she, like, reforms. And technically, Medea and Midas are humans. So that's supposed to be the, like, shock. Like, why are the humans coming back and I not feel just like the monsters? I don't if know. they have a Wikipedia page under <laughs> the tab Greek mythology, they will be coming back at some point. <laughs> just not the heroes, because, you know, we have new heroes now. We don't need old heroes. I'm pretty sure Hercules is in one of these books. So. I have no memory of that. <laughs> I know. I can't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will say the last, uh, my last note is like when Jason summons uh, lightning and he's like pointing his sword in the air and he's fighting, I was like, is Jason cool? Like if he wasn't boring, would he be cool? I think he would be if he, yeah. if he had more personality because his powers are cool. His powers are pretty cool. And he's just like, a, you know, he's not bad. He's not toxic. He's just boring. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, those are my thoughts. Love it. Love it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Okay. Um, the next one is Piper, chapters 33 through 34. Which are the more uneventful chapters. So <laughs> Piper wakes up and from being gold, and the boys fill her in on how they beat Midas. They're all sitting around a campfire in a shallow cave in Pikes Peak, Colorado, because Jason conveniently harnessed some storm spirits to bring them that far. He had been following that glittery air trail that he spotted like the day before, but it faded a lot and disappeared over Colorado, so he made camp for the night. And Hedge says that Aeolus's floating palace should be anchored directly above them at the peak of the mountain. And Piper remembers that the hunters were also heading west, so maybe they'll run into Talia. Piper, feeling really scared about her dad, grows reflective, and she thinks about what her dad would say if he learned all the Greek stuff was real, about the enormity of the quest she's on, and then we get some more um, problematic Rick trying to write a woman of color, where uh, she talks about her shame about being Cherokee again. It doesn't really further the plot, and it just, once again, if this was written by a native person, it would come across very differently, but it's not. And it kind of seems like all Rick knows about being native is shame and animal stories. <laughs> Because that's all we get a story of her, her talking about her shame and then a animal story her dad told her. And it's like, Rick, oh, Rick, this is not furthering the plot. Anyway, mm -hmm. so the story is about a man sacrificing his wife to a snake. And it reminds Piper, like, the moral of the, that story was that people sometimes have to make hard sacrifices. And so she decides that the sacrifice she'll make is to tell her friends about her dad being captured. So Piper then, like, kind of snaps out of her memories and tells the boys about how Enceladus has been trying to get her to sabotage the quest and get her dad back. Leo, Jason, and even Coach Hedge all really want to help her, even though they think they even though they need to save Hera, Leo promises that they'll figure out a way to save her dad too. And Hedge thinks out loud about going to the Bay Area and how it's dangerous and has a bad reputation for demigods, and that's like where her dad is supposedly being held captive. And Jason seems to remember something at this mention, and he's like, No, it doesn't have a bad reputation. What are you talking about? 
And Hedge mentions like the history on Mount Othris, which is that mountain where uh, Atlas was holding up the sky. Jason immediately corrects him and he says he knows that more happened there and that there was some kind of battle there too. At the same time, like last summer when the Battle of Manhattan was taking place in the fifth PJO book. But before they have time to figure out what Jason is talking about, they hear howls piercing the night. And then we jump into chapter 34. Wolves! <laughs> that was my first word <laughs> with an exclamation, that's all. <laughs> but these are not the like good, I, I don't know that I'd call Lupa good because she's kind of mean. But like, you know, um, moral boss. Yeah. Girl boss Lupa wolves, nor are they um, the less good, but more interesting Omegaverse wolves. <laughs> this is a giant pack of scary wolves, led by a wolf man named Lycon, King of Wolves. So tell me about who this dude is in mythology. <laughs> so he's from Greek mythology, once a powerful king who was cruel and shitty to his people. He wanted to test to see if Zeus was actually really that powerful. So he roasted his son and served him to Zeus to test if he would notice. And my man did notice. And he turned Lycon into a wolf as revenge. And I was like, you know, if Zeus had a nickel for every time one of his, like, uh, worshippers try to feed them his children, you'd have two nickels, which is not a lot, but it's weird that it's happened more than exactly. <laughs> Why is this? And why did he get... At least she caught it both times, you know? At least she wasn't <laughs> fooled. Fool me once. <laughs> but of all things, like, it's like, oh, actually, you thought I was giving you meat? This is, like, soy. Haha, got you good. <laughs> No, this is my son. Like this please. is my son. Yeah, why don't they just use like 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 impossible meat? I know. <laughs> That'd be a way better prank. Come on. I know. So apparently, these evil wolves have been tracking the demigods for their whole quest and trying to kill them. Which I was like, it kind of took them a while. Like. They kind of suck. <laughs> Whatever. Piper conveniently remembers Lycon's myths, and I, my thought to that is like, what was the movie her dad was in? Like, why were there like the myths that was in this movie that she's familiar with are really random, and I yeah. want to know. So she remembers the story of how he invited Zeus to dinner and then fed him human flesh, which again I was like, this seems like an extreme way to test Zeus. And then Zeus uh, turned him into a wolf. And this is the first werewolf where the word lycanthropy comes from. And uh, so Team Jacob fans rejoice. <laughs> so Piper tries to charm speak the wolves to go away, but she's too weak from her injuries and having just been turned into gold. Piper recalls that werewolves can be hurt with silver, which maybe Piper's just a, a big Twilight fan. I don't know. I think that kind of tracks for her. Maybe her dad was in Twilight. <gasps> oh. Oh. Oh, no, he couldn't be in Twilight because they didn't cast any actual native people. <laughs> they did. They did? Yeah, just not Jacob. Just is not a Jacob. white man. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, friend's roommate was dating someone who was in the Twilight movie. No way. Yeah, so every time I went over to her house and they were they lived up the upstairs floor, if I went up there, they would always be watching Twilight. <laughs> I was like, every single time. Wait, with the with the the person who was in Twilight? Mm, at the time I saw them doing it, I don't think he was there. Okay, because they would were be like, extra weird if he's like every time, like, "What do you want to do, babe? Yeah, you watch the movie I'm in." <laughs> wow, small world. Yeah. That's cool. 
Uh, Piper tries to charm... Oh, I already read that. Mm. Um, so Piper recalls that wolves can be hurt with silver, which they don't have any of, so Hedge just charges, and Leo throws a bottle at the wolves, which was full of gasoline, and then he lights everything on fire, so Leo at least had a plan. Hedge was just mm-hmm. kind of running. Um, this can only keep the wolves away for so long, but then suddenly silver arrows begin to fly through the air and hit the wolves. The bad wolves leave, and then a small white wolf bursts into the cave, followed by a troop of hunters in white and gray winter camouflage. That's right, it's the Hunters of Artemis, led by none other than our girl Talia, Jason's sister. Small world. I've noticed, like, a couple people have, like, commented or emailed about, like, Jason and Piper being the perfect example of a compet couple, which for anyone who doesn't really know what that means, because it's, yeah, it's a very, like, a internet social justice word it means like compulsory heterosexuality which is like when people act or present as if they're in like as if they're straight or in a straight relationship when it's like forced it's kind of like whether that's by society or by like their parents or community like acting straight when you might not actually be and I was like I can kind of see I can see that in this chapter especially because there's a bit where like um she's cold and he is like oh I could snuggle you and it's like really kind of awkward like they kind of cuddle into each other but it feels super forced and like because their relationship quite literally is like forced like yeah it's all fake and they're like trying to make it work and it feels really um like like they're both performing something but they don't really know if they actually like each other and so I like that reading of them um I have another note that I like Hedge. I like Coach Hedge, but he's like the complete opposite of everything we made fun of Grover for, but it's somehow worse. It makes me miss Grover. I was like, at least Grover was like emotionally intelligent and like, oh, not, he wasn't always the butt of the joke. He sometimes provided something. Coach Hedge is nothing but the butt of the joke every single time. Pretty much. Um, my other note is that this book should be called The Lost Reader because the heroes <laughs> go on too many side quests so and I am it. lost. Like, I feel like I'm like, especially reading this, like, you know, only one or two chapters, like three chapters at a time and we'll go like a week without recording. I'm like, what, it, what are they trying to do? And yeah, I'm you like, could not tell me what the quest is right now. Like, I don't even yeah. remember the prophecy in the beginning. <laughs> and like, I was like, maybe this is partly because I read this for the first time when I was an adult or in like... You read this when you were, like, older, an older teen. Yeah. And so, like, because Percy Jackson, the first series, has plenty of fun side quests and some that, like, you know, don't further the plot and are just to introduce fun new Greek myths. But this feels excessive. Like, this is a lot. And I would love to hear, like, if anyone read this as a kid, like, did this seem like a lot? Or is this just because I have, like, curmudgeonly old person hat <laughs> on like but there's too many side quests in my opinion it makes me forget what the main plot is or the main goal well he's also trying like this side plot side quests and he's also trying to create these relationships that are really inorganically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it just feels like i'm like i don't remember what the point of this book was i'm just trying to get to the end of it at this point yeah i'm like can we circle back to the like mistress lady who nobody will name yeah please <laughs> yeah. just like focus on that can we focus? Yeah, those are my notes for those chapters. All right, well, we'll then we'll go to Leo, chapters 35 and 36. So we return to a favorite trauma towel feeling bad <laughs> about himself. 
He doesn't get a super cool older sister who just like comes and disappears out of nowhere or a cool movie star dad. I was like, boy just wants a family. Just give him one. Come on, people. Leo feels like the most unlucky man alive. Plus, he's fallen in love with every single person, (laughs) girl he's ever met. He's like, especially Talia, who looks like she would beat him up, which is exactly his type. (laughs) Talia is holding Jason's face, like just like cradling it in her hands. She thought he was dead, but recognizes her brother from a scar above his lip that he got when he tried to eat a stapler when he was two. (laughs) Which I thought was funny because, like, everyone's been looking at Jason's scars and being like, oh, what is his past trauma? And Talia's like, you were a dumb kid. <laughs> you tried to eat a freaking stapler, you loser. <laughs> Talia's wolf indicates that she doesn't have a lot of time, but she wants to talk to her brother. Piper immediately collapses from <laughs> hypothermia. <laughs> I'm just like, why did that happen? <laughs> Apparently, Jason cuddling her was not enough. It really wasn't. He didn't mm-hmm. cuddle well enough. And Talia asks Leo and Coach to take her and heal her elsewhere. And Leo's like, he got it. He's like, okay, I know what I'm ask, being asked to leave and I'm not wanted. But Jason asks for Leo to stay. He's in, like, in his eyes, he clearly needs support and he was very scared, which Leo is baffled by and he sticks around. Leo cannot stand uncomfortable science when he immediately starts to hit on Talia, which breaks the ice a little. Talia is told about Harris stealing Jason's memories and the whole plot of this godforsaken book. <laughs> Jason says that Hera mentioned that he was giving to her as an offering, and Talia then decides to spill on their backstory, finally. Their mother was emotionally unstable and caught Zeus's eye as a beautiful TV actress, but she didn't handle fame well, always pulling shit for attention and drinking too much. She felt she had peaked when she had gotten the king of gods to notice her and didn't take it well when he left her. Leo is feeling absolutely horrible for his friend as the story is being told. Leo's mom was cool and stable, and though he didn't have her for a long time, he can see how sad Jason is by the revelation and not having any memories of his mother. So we will go back to the story. When Talia was around seven, Zeus came back into their lives, but he was different. He was more fatherly, a little older, and most more stern, and it really helped their mom improve. That's when Jason was born, and Talia loved her brother. When Zeus left for the second time, their mom completely unraveled and more and more monsters started attacking because of Hera. When Jason was two, they went for a family vacation. When Talia went to the back of the car to get a picnic basket, she came back with her mom sobbing, saying Jason had been claimed by Hera and he was as good as dead. That was the last straw for her and Talia ran away from her abusive, narcissistic mother. Talia never told anyone about this, not even Annabeth and Luke. But somehow Chiron knows, and she doesn't know how, because she never told him. Leo says that they have each other now, and they're all the same age, which is weird but fun. (laughs) But Jason doesn't understand the Roman stuff, and Talia is confused about it, too. She's never seen it before. They guess that maybe when Zeus came back to see their mom, he had been Jupiter, not Zeus. But that doesn't explain... um, how Jason would have been able to survive on his own without the uh, protection of Camp Half-Blood. Leo says that he's actually not the only Roman they've heard of on this quest. They've heard of others wearing purple and speaking Latin and all the other fancy stuff. Talia is intrigued and says she has talked to Artemis, who is the only valid goddess because she's actually speaking to her children against Zeus's orders and guiding Mm -hmm. them. She has sent them on this trail to find Percy and... 
So Talia says she has to move on, but she'll first take them to Aeolius's palace. A lot, a lot of uh, information to process. Mm-hmm. I did like that Leo was very like Leo's whole vibe is I am jealous of Jason. Yeah, but and in, he owns it, I guess. I guess he is. They do drag it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is funny, but he is like I do. He does remind me of some of the really irritating guy friends I had at like fifteen, mm. or even in college, who were just kind of like my life is incomplete until I am dated by a woman, or like nice guys finish last kind of vibe mm-hmm. all the time, and mm-hmm. so they dislike like anyone who's automatically better looking or just like more classically aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. but I do like that he is aware of Jason's feelings and is able to empathize being like I might always be jealous of him but I do have these things I do recognize that he is you know struggling and that Mm -hmm. I would not want to trade places with him in this moment because at least I had my mom which is, you know, big. Yeah. I also did like that Jason asked Leah to stay back because I think it could have easily just been like Jason being like, yes, I need to do this alone. But it's sweet. It's yeah. sweet. And it's like allowing a little bit of emotional growth. And Leah also says that he was happy to be hearing all of this stuff because even though he and Jason were allegedly fake friends, he didn't know any of the real information. So he gets to learn about Jason all over again and it actually helps the aspect of them becoming real solid friends and I think it's also healthy for like unlike I guess how Piper was dealing with it in the beginning it's healthy to immediately be like okay we're erasing the past of the fake friendship we're not going to try to hold on to that because we know it's fake so Mm -hmm. we're immediately going to jump into trying to redo this and trying to do it better rather than Piper being like but we're in love (laughs) like let's see if this actually works yeah. With with our real memories. <laughs> it is disappointing that Ly- uh, Piper is passed out. and I, But I get mm-hmm. that if Piper was also in this situation, it would seem more like... Um, first of all, Jason would probably choose Piper to stay back. And yeah. also it would be like, oh, well, they're just advancing their romantic relationship and Leo's in the dust again. Rick does conveniently like to knock one of them out so the other two can have a moment or like make one of them take a nap. <laughs> that's what he, that's, I mean, that's the thing with Grover, right? The only reason Person and Annabeth got any alone time was Grover slept constantly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chapter 36. Everyone is dressed warmly and given hot chocolate and then they take, uh, are taken to run up the mountain at amazing speed. Leo is out of breath and tired, but he walks next to Jason and checks up on him. Jason is not doing well with all the new information he's been given. Leo reminds him that he's fighting amnesia and that Talia loves him a lot. Emotional comfort is a bit out of Leo's comfort zone, but he's trying. They arrive at the entrance of Aeolia's palace, and it's scary, like a scary ice bridge with a lot of wind around it. Leo asks Jason if he could just fly them up instead of taking the scary bridge, and that's when they realize that this is not a power that is shared among the Grey siblings. Talia sends Phoebe, who is the other hunter, on her way, saying she'll be back as soon as this is over. I'm imagining um, Elsa's castle. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, but like um, with the bridge from Shrek, but ice. What? 
You know that rickety bridge? No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but I, so they're trying to go over it, but clearly it's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. Leo is walking on the bridge, but is completely distracted by the design of the bridge and why storm spirits who can fly would even need a bridge. Talia says you need a bridge to connect to the mortal world, which is triggering an idea in Leo and starts getting him excited. Of course, that makes his body temperature rise and makes things a bit more dangerous. He's trying to cool himself down, but he's also really hyped up. He says that Hera called Jason a bridge. He's connecting two places and that he was an exchange. It's all connected, and he even brings up Jason's dream of where Hera was being kept, which is called the Wolf House. And Talia actually knows where that is and what it is. Then, because of all this excitement, the bridge underneath Leo completely melts. <laughs> he would have died if Jason hadn't caught him and gets him to safety. But by the time they get their bearings, they realize that Talia is on the other side of the melted bridge. She tells them to go on ahead to save Piper's dad and that Jason knows in his heart where the wolf house is. I was like, he's amnesia. Just scream it out loud. Yeah, give him the coordinates. (laughs) (laughs) And that she'll meet them there. They have less than 24 hours to get all of this done. So they head to meet the king of the winds. All right, that's the end of my chapter. I literally didn't have a lot of notes on this one because it's just a lot of information and um, Leo feeling bad about himself and then immediately hitting on the first woman that enters his life. Yeah, yeah. That's Leo's vibe. Yeah. As a, as a way to move forward. It's like, why go to therapy when you can hit on women? <laughs> okay. I got a couple of lightning bolt questions. So the first one is a question that we got emailed to us from The Worm, which mm-hmm. is a great name. Um, I know. To have on your email, and I love it. And it was actually specific to uh, chapter 10, <laughs> even though we're on chapter 30s in the 30s. But uh, this is what we get for recording too far in advance. Um, and so at one point when, when Piper is like transformed into super hot, Jason calls her a knockout, which first of all is a weird thing. That, like no one says that anymore, Rick. But just calls uh, her a knockout, like blurts it out and then is like, oh crap, I didn't mean to say that out loud. So the question is, have you ever had a moment where you blurt something out like Jason did there? constantly there was like a good chunk I mean even now but there was a good chunk of years where I quite literally had no filter Mm -hmm. but there's like a very specific moment and it's haunting me like it haunts me even to this day it was like in the seventh grade and I didn't have a lot of friends because I just started we just started a new school we were all like suddenly in middle school at the time Mm -hmm. it was a transition year and I didn't know anyone in my class and there was this one girl who was like pretty popular I just remember she was irritating the shit out of me. So she was, like, <laughs> sitting on one side of me, and there was, like, another guy who was, I guess, like, more pop- popular, I guess, whatever that means. For a 12-year-old. Other- for a 12-year-old. They all had siblings who were older, so it automatically, mm-hmm. like, you know, made them popular because they already knew the school. They already knew the teachers. They were sitting on the other side, and they were, like, flirting and, like, throwing things at each other and like being all cute and she kept going oh my god I hate you oh my god I hate you and I just remember blurting out I was just like well I hate you too (laughs) and I don't know it's fine but it's a you know it's funny in context but obviously if she had no idea that I was even there for some reason I was like blocked out of her mind and she was nice she was one of the really she's just really sweet girl she just looked at me like I slapped her and she's like, why? Why? And I was like, oh, no, because of the thing you said earlier. I'm not going to repeat my joke and try to explain it. So I'm just going to ignore you now. But sometimes, like, what? Didn't say anything. 
I don't know why. I mean, I've said like a lot of stupid shit over my like period of my life, but I that one haunted me quite badly, even as like an adult. I was like, oh my god, why would I do that? <laughs> um, I can't really think of one that I I feel like I don't often blurt things out. I think too much unless I have a sip of alcohol and then suddenly suddenly I will share everything that's ever happened to me in my entire life. (laughs) I think my favorite thing that you do is that you'll say something and then you'll laugh the hardest at your own joke. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And like while we're trying to process what you've just said, you're still laughing. It's very cute. It's very Thank endearing. you so much. You're and, and it won't be like it won't be anything that like it's mean never to mean. anyone. It's no. always like a weird thing about myself. Yeah. It's always about like animorphs. Yeah, it's, it's like me okay. saying this song reminds me of animorphs. And, and then everyone she's like being laughing. like ten seconds of silence. <laughs> <laughs> I went over to um, my parents' house this weekend and I asked that or last weekend and I asked my sister her answers to these questions just because Ooh. we were like walking the dog and she had the funniest she edits us so like if she really doesn't want it in there she can cut it out but she said that when I asked this question her didn't I didn't miss a beat and she just said when I was in, when she studied abroad in New Zealand she accidentally said to a bald man let me just get out of your hair <laughs> that's funny and so he just stared at her like so confused that's so good very funny to me okay my next question is if you had Midas's curse but with like another element or thing that you turn everything into what would it what would you want to turn everything you touch into oh god (laughs) I mean honestly nothing that sounds horrible but obviously it's a curse so um something I don't know, because I don't want, I want to be able to eat, so it has to be, maybe touch everything, maybe everything into water, but I don't know, because then I want, I need, like, nutrients. How do you, but I also, how does Midas eat, like, he grabs a fork that turns to gold? I guess that's fine. That works. A gold fork works. No, he's supposed to, he's supposed to start starving. That's the whole point, is that he goes... Uh, to talk to Dionysus again because he's starving, he's dehydrated, and he's just turned his daughter into gold. So you'd be hydrated. I'm just imagining you like, oh, I'll eat my food with a fork, but then the fork turns to water. Well, that's true. So maybe some kind of metal so I can bypass it. But even like if you lean down to smell, like if you try to put perfume on, try to put deodorant on, immediately turns into metal. Like it's useless. You're stinky. You can't take a bath. Oh. That does sound awful. I know yeah. this question, there's no right answer. No, I think My I would immediate... choose maybe like diamond. At least it's valued higher than gold and it's yeah, stronger then you than could, gold. You could get a lot of money. Yeah, at least for the short 10 days I'm alive before I starve to death. Pretty much, yeah. My immediate thought was dogs, but then... <laughs> what? Just oh my I'm god, like, are you gonna I'd eat dogs? To have more dogs. No, I won't eat them. I just want, you know, if I like someone was annoying me, they'd be better as a dog, you know? And <laughs> but then I said this and Mike and my sister pointed out that there would be no where would they live? They would all go starving. I wouldn't have enough food to feed the dogs. The dog food would turn into dogs. <laughs> just feed the dogs dogs. And then I don't know. 
I couldn't think of anything better. I, I was like, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Just want but a dog. I was like, oh, well, I'd wear gloves. <laughs> like, the glove would turn, turn to a to dog. dog. But then my sister said she would pick to turn everything to gloves. <laughs> so that you put some, you touch something, it turns to gloves, you put those on, it's already a glove. So you're good. Okay, guys. But then I'm like, what are you going to create? Glove world? <laughs> like, what is the purpose of that after that point? We're trying to get around the curse, but it has to bring some kind of benefit. Like, if it's, yeah. if I'm, I can yeah. make a diamond glove. A glove out yeah, of diamonds. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's That's going a good to idea. go for a lot of money. So maybe I shouldn't pick dogs because no, I can't make can't a dog wear, glove. Don't wear dog gloves. But I could pick, like... Something that's some kind of solid metal type of thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, then wood. I could wear an uncomfortable glove, so then I could eat. Mine is really needs to get more creative. Are gonna be, yeah, our outfits would be very painful. Oh my god, sleeping yeah. would be horrible. We have to sleep oh, on diamonds. Oh god. I have such a bad back if I sleep wrong. Diamonds are Maybe not going to be helpful. Turn everything into memory foam. <laughs> so then my gloves are made of memory foam. But then you can't sell. I mean, I guess you can sell. I could. I could start a business. (laughs) Just like a crusty, the waterbed guy. Oh, yeah. I'd be the memory foam Midas. You'd have a lot of diamonds for 10 days. You'd get really rich. Yeah. And then I'd perish. Oh, you'd make your diamond gloves, though, and then you could eat. Yeah. But I'd just be grumpy. Would it be worth it? I would be such a nightmare to be around because I'd be like so sleep deprived, uncomfortable and stinky because I can't shower. <laughs> Moment water hits my body, turns into diamonds. <laughs> no. Such honestly, what a terrible curse. I know. Okay, you my really last. really did not think this through. Yeah, no. Midas really, really didn't know what he was, what he was wishing for. My last question is, if you could be half human, half animal, like a werewolf, but like a traditional werewolf where you turn into that animal, like, you know, in the full moon, what Mm. animal would you pick and what would make you turn into it? Okay, so two things. Um, If I want to be like a cool, edgy, adventurous kind, I think I'd turn into like something that can fly. So I want something Mm. opposite vibes. So like, but like a predator of the sky. Mm -hmm. So like some kind of really large eagle. Ooh, yeah. I think the Maybe other a option, eagle. like a golden eagle, eagle, very, very mm-hmm. like maximum ride, except I'm a full eagle rather than just having weird wings in my back. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing that would turn me into it is, um, I think like a full moon makes sense. Like it's only yeah. once a month. It's like not too over the top. Um, is it only be- at night then? Yes, only at night. Oh, Eagles don't true. have good night vision. They I know don't. that from animorphs. <laughs> so then maybe... Um, on the third of every month, so I like Ooh. I know I don't have mm-hmm. to go and Google when is the full moon gonna hit, yeah, all of that stuff, or hide from like the clouds or whatever. It's just like I know exactly on the third. Make sure my calendar has it booked out. Um, but my second option would be some really rich ladies golden retriever, and Ooh, I would want to nice. turn into that all the time. Anytime I had any kind of responsibility, I'd immediately just turn into this rich ladies golden retriever. Anytime you feel slightly slighted by anything, you're like, I'm going to turn into a dog. Yeah. 
but like a really pam and then i just go get really pampered and oh, like that'd be nice all of that stuff and then i would um uh, maybe turn back into human maybe i wouldn't maybe i'll yeah. just be the girl dog forever that'd be nice i say dolphin yeah yeah Okay, but, like, then I started thinking about it logistically. Well, I would want to turn into said animal <laughs> during my period so I don't have to exist in my body. But would you want to, like, the moment your period starts, See, that's just the issue. turn into a dolphin in your apartment? <laughs> and then also, like, what would happen to, like, I don't live that close to salt water, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. a bit of a drive. Where you gotta fill fill the fill the car up with salt. But then when you turn me to a beach, then like what if I swim too far away? Yeah. <laughs> and then you turn back into Aaron in the middle of like the Atlantic Ocean. So the more like I think the safer option would be I th- I think it'd be nice to turn into like a little frog. What if you get eaten? Well, I'd no like I'd 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 plan for this. So like Mike would care for me as a frog. <laughs> I didn't get a terrarium. He's like, that wasn't in my vows. <laughs> I'm out, man. And then it would be like we'd plan for it, you know. I'm He's sorry like, I can't come into work next week. I'll be a frog. Mike having to explain to people why his date to this wedding is a frog. <laughs> so go, it's because my wife is on her period. <laughs> no other explanation. <laughs> Oh, oh my no. god. Or maybe something a little more durable. I don't want to be a cockroach, but like worms, you can cut them in half. <laughs> you can be a worm. <laughs> oh, I'm like an eagle and you're you a worm. What if you ate me? I don't eat worms. I don't, don't certain birds eat worms? Yeah, but I'm like a golden eagle. I'm huge. So like pick out the apple? <laughs> in that cartoon? <laughs> I would get revenge on the the chickens that eat you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a hearty meal too. I know. You know whole ass a chicken. Whole chicken. Wow. <laughs> oh no. I'm really glad that neither of us are cursed. <laughs> I know. A, as a werewolf or a, a wereworm. <laughs> or with Midas's curse. Oh, I want someone to make that book so badly where it's, like, really, like, a spooky or, like, a movie. It's, like, a haunt, like a horror movie. And you think that this, like, person's, like, you're, like, screaming, like, I'm changing. Save yourself. And you turn into a worm. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I would pay so much money to see that. It's like a curse. It's spreading. The worm <laughs> makes more of them. <laughs> Then they become your worm children. Can worms like bite? Like a They don't have mouths, do they? I don't know. Do worm they don't have do they have to have mouths. Because they they eat shit and they shit shit. Sorry, they eat dirt and they shit dirt. Um they have strong muscular mouths but no teeth. So what if it just like licks you? Can I see a picture of a worm mouth? Mm. I'm seeing they also have eyes, I think. No, they don't. Oh, no, they don't. That's wrong. They don't have eyes. Isn't there like a whole TV show where the cartoon worm has like, is like blind with the cart, like the sunglasses? I don't know what what I'm talking about. I know I'm correct. Well, they can tell whether it's light or dark. Um, Wow. (laughs) They have holes, basically. Do they, they do have brains, so that's good. (laughs) 
I'm just imagining, like, you giving off hints throughout the movie that you're a worm. You're like, wow, I can tell that it's night now. <laughs> We're like, it's dark outside, Erin. <laughs> yeah, we no, I just, can, I just, I, I can didn't even have to look. It. I can sense it. <laughs> it's coming. The change. <laughs> It was the stupidest answer I could have had. I regret everything. Yours is so much cooler. Oh, let me be my dolphin self and just live in my bathtub. Yeah, just really, just Mike has to just turn on the faucet, throw some room- salt. Imagine your roommate comes home one day and there's just an eagle. She's <laughs> open the window. And, she's, and you're just like waiting by the window, like, please open it. I think I've been stuck in this apartment for too long. <laughs> oh man all right (laughs) so next week we're going to be talking about chapters 37 to 42 the lost hero i have no idea what's gonna happen yep we're almost we're getting near the end though (laughs) if you're interested in supporting us you can find us on patreon the link will be in the episode description we're on all social media at camp half pod and you can also email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>